You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. Well, my very special guest uh, today is Sally Nevin. Now, Sally uh, does many, many things in church life, and we're going to be talking about uh, some of that uh, this morning and getting to know the the person behind the microphone. If you were listening to uh, Thanks for the Memory, you'll know that today it was Sally and myself presenting it, and Sally has graciously agreed to step into the shoes of of Diana, who has been presenting with me for the past 12 months, but is actually leaving the area. uh, Don't don't worry, uh, Diana will be with us for just a few more weeks before she goes but uh, but Sally that was your first thanks for the memory program and putting it all the bits together did did she enjoy it was it a bit of a challenge um, yeah I really enjoyed it and uh, it was it was just great to pull the things together and look at ideas and remind myself of, of things I knew but had perhaps forgotten so yeah no, it was really good I yeah, enjoyed it we can turn the clock back you see and think about although my memory wasn't that great this morning wasn't it <laughs> half, half the places you'd been I'd clearly not been <laughs> now your title is Older Persons Director at Emmanuel United Reformed Church over in, in, in Southbourne and we'll, we'll get to a wee bit later on you know as to what that's all about but let's go right the way back in your faith journey um, how did it begin were you brought up in a, in a, in a Christian environment that's a bit of a strange one to answer, really, Blair, because I was I was uh, born in Norfolk and my parents used to go to the Anglican Church and I was christened in the Anglican Church. But then we moved to Bournemouth and uh, um, I don't ever remember my parents attending church at all um, at that stage. I went to the local Baptist church because it was one I could walk to um, and we were there for a number of years. And then we moved to Throop. And I started going to the little chapel in Throop, Throop United Form Church. Which, uh, Sally's no, no longer there, Very is it? Sad. But, but beautiful, beautiful place for a little church. Oh, it, it's wonderful. And I I had such a lovely, um, I guess I'd call my adopted Christian parents, um, because I didn't get very much input from my mum and dad at that time at all. Um, a lovely couple called John and Helen Snelling, who took over running the Sunday school, and who gave me some wonderful, wonderful experiences and chances to to grow in my faith. So, though your parents didn't encourage you to, to go along and didn't go along themselves, uh, they, they they didn't hold you back. Oh no, they they positively encouraged us to uh, uh, my brother and I to go to church on on Sundays. My brother fell by the wayside, but I just loved being part of that experience and being involved with uh, with with other young people and. I picked up a lot of the Christian message, but I don't think I really committed my, myself at that point. But that's very typical, isn't it? Because so many of us, uh, and it certainly would have been true of me, you know, when you're brought up in a church environment, you know, uh, my parents were were Christians and so on, but and I went to church, but I I find. I find that all the activities I loved, like the boys' brigade, the life boys, you know, the the things that lads do, gymnastics, and I played the bugle in the band and all that kind. Of, I loved mm. all of that, the social side of it. But when it came to the Sunday sermon, you know, yeah, do you know <laughs> what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> that, that didn't do a great deal for me, and that that penny didn't drop until later on. So for you, when did the when did the penny drop, as it were, that actually it was a lot more than just churchianity, just going along and albeit enjoying the company of of lovely folk i think 
the the time I can identify when it definitely the penny did drop was um, I was expecting my second child, um, Charlotte. Oh, so it was quite a bit further on. Yes, then. yeah. I mean, I went to church, mm-hmm. um, but I think I was like um, almost being an actor, you know, enter Sally Christian. Um, I don't really feel I was totally committed to the life of the church, and and I don't think I'd given my heart to Jesus at that time. And I was, um, I had quite a difficult pregnancy with Charlotte, and there was some uh, concern that she would be Down syndrome. I was already a slightly older mother, uh, geriatric at 31. I don't like that. <laughs> oh, um, just young, young thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I had some tests and they were inconclusive. And so I had amniocentesis. And I knew at that point that certain family members would not be supportive if I had a child that had any sort of um, problems at all. Um, it, that was quite clear to me from conversations I'd had with this particular family member, one one in particular. And What a cruel thing. I mean, I, I know you, you're not revealing who, but, but it's a cruel thing for somebody it, to say or imply such a thing. They wouldn't yeah. get off with it today quite. No, I don't think so. And I, th- I think perhaps attitudes would have, would have changed. Um and I can remember being really, really low, um, trying to work out what was going to be the best, be- the best thing. Um, I rather foolishly decided not to share what was happening with my friends, because I felt if there was a decision to be made, I wanted it to be my decision and not influenced by other people, other people who possibly would have opposing views, so it would be challenging. And I was driving home. I'd, I'd actually take my grandmother to the doctors and I was driving home along Castle Lane. I can tell you exactly where I was. I was at that parade of shops at the roundabout coming up to the Eiford Bridge and I was praying. I always prayed in the car. Um, I think other motors probably do as well when I'm driving, but uh, that's another thing. Um, I was praying and praying and I just wanted God to tell me what I should do. And I've been very stressed, very anxious. And all of a sudden, I was. it was almost physical i was hit with this sense of peace of tranquility something i hadn't felt for a very long time and i wouldn't like to say i heard god's voice but i felt his presence and i felt him saying to me whatever happens this is your baby you will love it i love him i love it and um you will i will give you what you need to get through and that sense of peace was overwhelming and from that point on i didn't worry what the test results would say because i knew that whatever happened god was with me and even if family members deserted me i had my god this is hope fm going back to that sort of more intimate experience that you had sally uh, i mean that must have been quite special up until you having that sense of the presence of god with you in the car and giving you that that sense that everything was going to be all right. Had you ever had that experience before? Did you ever think of God in, in a personal sense? No, not in that sense at all. It was it was a completely new experience, and it, it just it just it changed me. Well, you know, the next question is, well, how did it change you? <laughs> well, it took quite a long time. Um, I'd already already been doing some. Um, work in the Methodist church, which by then I'd moved across to. Um, and uh, I used to go out with one of the local preachers and um, I'd do some readings, um, prayers, that kind of thing. And he kept saying to me that, you know, would I consider be- training to become a local preacher? And I said, no, I didn't think it was for me. I thought I wasn't good enough. Um, 
I didn't think I'd have the time for the studies because it's a sort of two to four year course. Lots of reasons. And every time anyone suggested it, I said, no, not for me. Um, And then one day... um, Why why do you think they were suggesting it? Because they, they obviously must have seen something in you to make the suggestion. I, th- I think they did, but I didn't see it myself. I, I actually lacked quite a lot of confidence then in my own abilities. And I think that was why I liked to do drama, because then I wasn't me. I was somebody, somebody else. else. Mm. Um, so the idea of sort of doing something like that and putting myself in that situation where I, was, I would feel quite exposed um, was, was not where I, where I wanted to go. And then... Um, I did a, a. I went out with this this lovely man again, Ramsey, and uh, I just felt strongly that there was something more that God was calling me to do. And I found myself going to the superintendent minister and saying, "I'd like a note to preach." And that was that's the first step in the Methodist Church. And it was completely the wrong time because a week after I asked for the note to preach, I found out I was expecting my third child. And I'd got the perfect excuse to say I can't do it because I was going to be very busy with two two children, a new baby and all the rest of it. And I didn't want to. Um, and I did my studies. Uh, I did a lot of them while I was pregnant. Um, I would go to the churches and with, with Ramsey as my mentor at that point. And I began my, my journey. Um, I did all the exams. I passed. Um, and... My accreditation service uh, was was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I'd actually journeyed with a young man who had very severe health issues. He'd got cere- um, not cerebral palsy. Um, oh, Jim, my brain's gone. Well, it doesn't mean he, he had a debilitating illness. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a very yeah. serious, uh, very serious illness and um, cystic fibrosis. That's the one, yeah. cystic fibrosis. And so we'd had this terrific journey together where I'd been slow because I'd got children. He'd been slow because he'd got health issues. But we both came to this point where where we were had our accreditation service together. And I really felt God's call on me to this ministry and uh, – I certainly feel that I was blessed very much in in that and that it was the right thing to do. Isn't it true, though, that, that I mean, a lot of people do lack confidence, don't they? I mean, you've said already early on in the interview that, A, you didn't think you were good enough. Well, what's good enough? Uh, and, and then, of course, you sort of ruled your, yourself out. But that's a very common thing for many, many people. You must have come across because I know that you work with people all the time, you must have come across lots of people who almost discounted themselves because A, they think they're not good enough, and, and B, because they're a bit maybe frightened or intimidated by whatever, you know, the, 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 the mountain or the challenge is. Oh, definitely. And because of my own experience, I know how to encourage them without them feeling like they're being pushed somewhere they don't want to go. And if if I'm in that situation with anyone now, I, I just encourage them to pray and ask God to guide them and, uh, you know, leave it to God. Well, there's that, there's that lovely song about flying on eagles' wings, isn't there? And I and I guess that you do need to be sure, not not pressurised by other people or because they think you should do it, but actually mm. to, to surrender. And, and uh, But then, no doubt, as you, as you look back on your life to date, you're probably blown away by how God has, has used you and continues to use you uh, in a multiplicity of ways. Yes, and, and it's, it's, it's that, but it's also that God had prepared me so much for this because um, 
as I said, I really enjoyed doing things with drama. And I did evening classes and I did speech and drama for a number of years uh, as an evening class. And I thought perhaps I would still get into sort of something more on the acting side of things. But what I found was the one thing that other local preachers had struggled with was making their voices heard, being able to project and use their voices in the right way. Well, I'd got all the other obstacles, but that was one obstacle I didn't have to uh, didn't have to battle. And I think that God was preparing me right back then, giving me the tools that I would need for later on. I don't think there was ever any intention that I'd go into theatre. <laughs> this is Hope FM. Well, Sally has been my very special guest. Of course, you've gone through all the theology and discovering truths. It's amazing, isn't it, though, that how much we, we don't know. And it's only when you get to, st- to study. I mean, you've done, I don't know how many sermons in your, your lifetime. But, but all of that, of course, increases your own knowledge, doesn't it, Sally? It, it does. But it's you, you, you touched on it. I just rem- reminded every time how little I know and how, how much of the Bible is still um, a bit of a mystery to and, me. And it's true for all of us. Isn't it? I mean, I guess that the, that the more that we think we know, you know, that we realise how much we really don't. And of course, the Bible says it, doesn't it? I mean, now we look into a mirror dimly. But the choice of promises that one day, can you imagine what it'd be like face to face? Oh, it's going to be amazing. I've got lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? I forgot to ask you, of course, that having been worried about your first child, it didn't turn out badly, did it? Well, she she did, she wasn't she didn't have a, a genetic problem, um, but she did have health issues. And for the first four years of her life, we spent a lot of time at the hospitals with her. Um, and she had some surgery, which temporarily solved the problem. It was had to be done again when she was uh, fifteen, sixteen. But she's the one that's just produced my first grandchild. So um, she's doing really well. Thank you, Blair. Yeah. And of course, it, it, it is a, a difficult choice that many people have to make these days, isn't it? I mean, the whole abortion issue is very much there. And I don't know whether that even crossed your your, your mind and your, or even your thinking then. But, but, but it, it is a hard choice mm-hmm. to make if people know that there's a likelihood of something being wrong with their, with their child. I, th- I think it's a, a tremendously difficult decision to make and I made the decision that no matter what, because of the message God had given me, that that I was going to give this child life no, no matter what um, the, the results said. But I would never condemn anybody for making a different decision to me because we're all different. We all live in very different circumstances. Um, but the one thing for me, and this is where I think God has really blessed me, is I've got quite a number of family friends who have children who have major health issues either a down syndrome or a one girl that we were friendly with the family had a very rare genetic um condition and i felt that i could look them in the face um in a way that i perhaps wouldn't have done if i thought that i would end the life of a child mm-hmm. like that so um for me personally it was the right decision and of course i mean you're probably like like myself you you will have met people who maybe have gone through abortion or, or, or it could be other things you know in their lives that they've done that they're that they're they're confused about or carrying pain about maybe even even guilt but of course, with, with God, we have this all things new. I, I love it when the Bible talks about him being the restorer of our souls, you know, and, and, mm. and putting us. Because actually our, our humanness, you know, if the truth be told, 
that we all fail and none of us are really good enough in that sense but it's God himself it's his love that draws us uh, and it's his forgiveness of course mm. that restores us and gives us hope and that's at the centre of what we believe Sally isn't it? Very much so and I think that's where I find the Bible a tremendous source of comfort because when you look at the people that God uses and God uses in amazing ways virtually all of them have got deep flaws in their lives you know we've as part of a lent group i've been doing we've been looking at the life of peter and he got it wrong so many times so so many times and yet god still used him in an amazing way and that is what i think is so wonderful about our god that there's nothing we can do that would ever take us to a place where we couldn't come back so that means that every day today for many people is a new day. You start the day yeah. new. We we learn, and all of us, of course, are are in you know in that position. As you you know look forward, then you know, into into what was ahead of you, and in, in terms of what. The, the life would hold for you. I mean, you, obviously you'd had that sort of personal experience. You were a mum. Yeah. Uh, and that in itself must have been quite a challenge. Did you end up with three? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how did your faith sustain you through through all of those challenges of motherhood? It was uh, because I was very busy um, in terms of looking after the children, looking after a home. I had a part-time job as well. I think in some ways... I'm not saying my faith was on the back burner, but I wasn't really engaging very well with with um, with the church, apart from when I was doing the, uh, the the preaching. That obviously took quite a lot of time, and I think that was enough at the time. But then I got to a point as my children got older that I wanted to go deeper, so I started doing a lot more reading um, and talking to people about their experiences being you know getting some really good guidance from some wonderful wonderful christians who had so much wisdom to share um and i i just thank god for various people who came into my life just at the right time hey man to that you know i've interviewed quite a lot of of, of ladies and uh, so often they'll say to me uh, I say, you know, well, what what do you do? And they say, well, I'm I'm just a housewife. Uh, and of course, I was thinking to myself, you know, there is no more important role in society than being a housewife and being a in being a mom, you know, or a grandma. Mm. In your case, now, you know, I don't know. Are you going to be a grandma or a grandmother or a nana? A nana, mm-hmm. yes. Well, all of that, all of these roles are absolutely really, really important. But of course, even though, I mean, that that role of being a you know, an influencer of your family is is just as important as anything you might do. In fact, it's a reflection of your faith just as much as what you might do within the church building, isn't it? Definitely. And I mean, those are the next generation. And so for them to grow up in a Christian home, a very obviously Christian home, um, I think is, is a, you know, really helps them. And even if for a while they they drift off, they've still got that built into them it's part of almost part of their dna now so you know even if they drift away i i strongly believe that with with prayer and encouragement they they will come back <laughs> now of course right at the heart of of christian things is joy you know uh that that, that i mean pe- sadly so many people have a negative view don't they that that, um, that God is a God of the thou shalt not. Mm. <laughs> you definitely shan't enjoy yourself. You know? <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'll zap you one. Uh, but of course, the complete opposite is true. I, I, I love when Jesus says, uh, 
have come that you might have life and that you might have it to its full. Mm. Did you begin to discover, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about that experience you had in the car where you were just overwhelmed with God's presence. But that does something to you, doesn't it, in terms of actually God, God loves, A, he knows my name and he, he really wants the best for me. And you obviously discovered that as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I found that my prayer life improved um, and I wasn't afraid to ask God for all sorts of things and sometimes quite sort of small things. And sometimes my prayers were answered. Um, not always, um, as I think most is most people's experience, but there have been situations where I know that I wouldn't have got through them if I hadn't had prayer, if I hadn't prayed and had felt that I'd got God on my side as I went through those situations. Um, I, I dread to think what my life would have been like at times with, without that. This is Hope FM. Well, let's have your next piece of music, which comes from uh, another maybe um, surprising source, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Blue Eyes himself, uh, Frank Sinatra. Well, this sort of comes up to more up to date with the work that I'm doing at Emmanuel. And one of the things pre-pandemic that I was doing, I ran a a Songs for the Mind, which is uh, a group that meets um, and it's it's aimed at people with dementia. But we don't exclusively have people with dementia. We have a a wide range of people because some singing is good for you. Singing is so, so good physically and mentally. And so we had this, uh, these regular sessions on a Friday morning and there was a lovely gentleman that came along who really knew about joy. He was a Christian, absolutely no doubt about it. He was a lovely Christian man. And um, he, he had dementia, but he never lost his smile. And one of the things he used to insist on doing every week without fail was he and I had to sing this particular song together. So feel free to join in. Oh, definitely. smiling when you're smiling the whole world oh yes and that of course was all blue eyes himself there frank sinatra and we want to dedicate that to the memory of dennis because dennis uh, well, i was going to say sadly but actually it's not really sadly that Dennis went to be with the Lord uh, just just last week, wasn't it? Just last week, yes, yeah. But he was a he uh, he was a high flying um, person in terms of his career. He'd been with British Airways and so on. But but he loved uh, with a little sparkle in his eyes, telling you all these stories in his broad Irish accent. But I never got to sing with him like you did. Oh, you missed a treat. You really did. <laughs> this was one of his favourite, wasn't it? It was, and he used to recite the Spike Milligan poem, Smile. Um, even when he was quite advanced in his dementia, he could still remember the words. Yes, uh, and of course that's, that's true about people with dementia, isn't it? Because although they can't remember, you know, uh, things in the longer term, you know, maybe shorter term, a wee bit better. But actually, music—it's it, amazing what brings back people's memories in singing a song or hearing a piece of music. M- music is a really powerful way of reaching people and. Even if they can no longer uh, sing, you can often see them moving their hands or their feet in time with the music. You can see a change in their facial expressions. It's really, really powerful. And 
it does make a huge difference. It's a way of reaching people that perhaps there's no other way to now. Now, your current role, of course, is the Older Persons Director at Emmanuel United Reformed Church over in, in Southbourne, and, and you've been running these memory groups and amongst all sorts of things during the lockdown. In fact, I mean, tell us some of the stuff that you've been getting up to, telling stories. and <laughs> Well, obviously, we haven't been able to meet face-to-face, um, and we haven't for quite some time. So we looked at ways in which we could still keep in touch with people, particularly those who couldn't access the internet, who you know haven't got the technology or or the capability to do that. So we've started a, a phone um, project called Connected because that's what it does, it does what it says on the tin. And we have something on every weekday, and we've worked out ways to play bingo on the phone. Um, we have uh, a story twice a week. We have stories. Uh, we, we do a quiz uh, and a crossword once a week. We also do um, a midweek service with communion. Uh, that's led by one of our uh, our lay preachers at uh, Emmanuel Church, a lovely man named Andrew. And we have uh, we do a psalm on a Tuesday morning. We, we share a psalm and reflect on that. We have prayers on a Wednesday morning. And then Sunday mornings we replicate the... Uh, the virtual service that's being done on the internet so that people who haven't got access to the internet can still hear... On the telephone. The, on the telephone. Mm. Yes. Now, you, you've been getting building numbers uh, for all of these things, haven't you? Yes. And indeed, not all of them from from Emmanuel. No, we discovered that several of the local churches, um, the local URC churches, were unable to offer anything at all um, to their congregation. So we started offering the services to to them as well. Well, all the activities, actually. And we have um, four other churches participating, three other URCs. And there's um, somebody from one of the Baptist churches who um, hasn't been able to get involved, who joins in. So we've we've reached a you know, really wide audience and all over Dorset. Now, of course, before the pandemic hit, uh, you were even more busier then. I mean, busy now, you were busier then uh, because you were you had links with care homes and so on, didn't you? Yeah, part of my ministry is to go into um, the care homes and we've got a lot in Southbourne. Um, unfortunately, I could only manage to go into five or six because time didn't allow any more. And I take a, a service into them on a regular basis. Um, so we would do a, a, a monthly service in several of them and then in one of the bigger care homes we did a Sunday morning communion service once a month and um, also in that care home we had a, a Bible study, weekly Bible study with the residents um, which has been such an amazing thing to be part of. I mean obviously you're very close uh, to to many many people and, and I guess that, uh, that that's probably what fuels your faith even more doesn't it because I guess that you're able to get behind you know get to know people really in a way that I mean we, we many of us will turn up in church and we'll 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 join in the worship but but to get to know people uh, you know and and the, the amazing life that they've led you know it, not everybody gets to do that but but you do what is it that encourages you? about being able to do that? I think hearing people's story, hearing about their faith journey and with, and just hearing how important it is that even though they're not able to get out, that they still have access to something that continues to build their faith. So for the, particularly for the people who are more able in the care homes, it's it's just a wonderful opportunity to, to help them to continue to grow as Christians. And the Bible study group we have... 
there's one gentleman in particular who asks some really, really deep and profound questions. And I can't always answer them. In fact, often I can't. I have to go away and, and you know, look, look up, them look up, up and, do and, a bit of research. Um, so it's helped me grow as a Christian as well and, and me to learn more. But also when you do that with somebody, you, you just build a bond that is so special. Um, I, I get very, very attached to the people that I work with. They're, they're not just people I visit. They've, I consider them to be friends. This is Hope FM. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And my very special guest today is Sally Nevitt. Sally is currently the Older Persons uh, Director at Emmanuel United Reformed Church over in Southbourne. And of course, before the ad break uh, there, you heard that amazing hymn sung by uh, probably one of Ireland's greatest worship leaders, Robin Mark. But you also had heard Robin Mark uh, before, hadn't you? You liked his his Celtic-type music. Oh, I love the Celtic style. It really, um, really reaches into me. And the first Robin Mark song I ever heard was Days of Elan and it just blew me away it's both the, both the words and and the excitement um christian music isn't boring i don't know where people ever oh, get no. that idea from it, it's it's vibrant it's exciting mm. it yeah wonderful well that particular track and can it be that we played there was uh, was actually recorded in uh, the waterside auditorium in belfast you know and it was absolutely jam-packed with men you know and they have this event uh, well they were having it before the pandemic called mandate you know and it's just all the men together well of course when you get men together bursting forth in great in the great hymns you know mm. uh, oh my goodness it makes the hair stand up in the back of it, your, it does yeah. it's like a welsh male voice choir singing it, guide me over there great jehovah yeah. um that always makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck too but i mean we did mention there about because i mean obviously you do work with people a lot of folk who are suffering from dementias and so on but but of course music it becomes has become a very major tool hasn't it in your arsenal of working with people Definitely. And we, we've seen huge, huge change in people and some really sort of quite wonderful um, stories have come out of that. I was I was working at one of the care homes and um, a lot of the time when I go in and unfortunately the staff sort of take it as, oh, well, Sally's there. We can take some time out, go and have a coffee or do some paperwork. And I'm left on my own in a room with maybe a dozen people, most of whom will have dementia. And that doesn't worry me from my own point of view, but it means that they haven't got anyone to engage with apart from me, and I can't engage with 12 people at once. And this particular care home, I went in and some family members were visiting a lady who used to be a very, very big part of our church at Emmanuel. And it was it was a, a, a nephew and niece. And I knew that she had this very strong church connection and so, um, you know, I tried to engage with her and I hadn't really got very far. Um, but when her ne- nephew and niece were there, they clearly knew the hymns we were singing as well and really encouraged her. And twice she asked if she could keep the piece of paper which had the hymn on. We, we always do a single hymn on one piece of paper and then hand them out and then collect them up afterwards because otherwise it gets distracting. But she wouldn't let them go and that was her way of asking to keep them. And unfortunately, I can't remember which two hymns they were. Um, But she was actually really engaged because she had somebody else there with her to support her and encourage her to Mm -hmm. sing. And her nephew and niece were really pleased that we were going in and the church had maintained that connection. 
and uh, the next week was this this lady's birthday and I think she was going to be 96 and they invited me to go along to her birthday party and it was incredible because when I got there I was looking for her in the seats where I'd normally see her and I couldn't find her in the seats and she was standing up and I had the one and only conversation I ever had with her um, because, you know, music had reached out to her. It had, it had sparked in her something that she'd remembered. And I gave her a card that I'd taken got taken up to church on the Sunday and I'd got all the people who remembered her to sign, thinking, well, they won't remember. She won't remember them. But, you know, the family would be pleased to see it. And she went through the card and she was really pleased that she'd had this card. Sadly, the next day she passed away. But... It was just incredible seeing how the music had, had given her that little bit of um, mm -hmm. coming back. Um, yeah, I read a book uh, fairly recent, actually, about another lady who was suffering from dementia, but she, she was an organist, you know. Now, she couldn't remember very much, but when she sat at an organ, she never missed a note. No. Uh, because it, it just all came back, you know. Mm. And I thought, crikey, you know, isn't it amazing how how God we're saying and we can give up on people too easily can't we we can and I think particularly with people with dementia there is an element of, of, of giving up um, and sadly some churches don't bother to visit people with dementia because they think there's no point because the person won't remember they've been but that's not the point at all and that person will always benefit even if they don't show signs at the time of, of memory because leave them with a nice feeling that somebody's come in from their church and you know rekindle those connections so i'd really encourage churches to, mm. to not give up um and i suppose that i mean earlier on we were talking about people you know people who have a disability and so on and uh but of course we can find great blessing can't we in people who are brought into our lives who have a range of disabilities you know you obviously had your daughter i have my son you know uh, uh, as well and uh, but the, there's a blessing in in having people like that who share you know our our lives you went through of course a very difficult time uh, with the the loss of your mom who had been a former mayor uh, of Bournemouth. Well, she, ne she never actually was mayor. She was a councillor for 19 years. So she, she should have been She mayor. should have been mayor, but uh, but she, she never quite made it. No. But was she an alderman? No. Again, because she'd done 19 years, she didn't qualify. To be an alderman, you have to have done 20 years. So the great public service who just missed out on yes. being mayor and being an alderman yeah. of, of the borough. But nevertheless, you were close to her. I was very close to her. And I think I became closer to her when she rekindled her faith and started uh, attending church again regularly because... Yeah, because right, when we, right at the beginning of the programme we were talking about your parents and how they, you know, they were churchgoers, nominal folk, but mm. so, so your mum actually then came storming through? Yes, she did, and she had a very deep and profound faith and she went to, to Throop United Reformed Church until it closed and then she went to... Um, Rossmore Community Church um, with, with Alan Claridge, who I believe is a presenter yes. on the show. Oh, yes, every yeah. Sunday, 10 yeah. o'clock, Alan's um, on the air. So, yeah, and, and it was really lovely that we had that shared faith and that I could be with her in the way that I hadn't been able to previously. Um, and in the latter years of her life, particularly after my father died, we were very, very close. And because I was organising things that she liked the sound of at Emmanuel Church, she used to come up two or three times a week and, and join in our fellowship there. 
And she she loved being involved with the church. Um, she found it uh, great fun. Um, people were very friendly and very welcoming. And she was she was she was proud of what I did, and she liked to be part of that. So we we rekindle a very very strong and close bond in the latter years of her life. Now, when she eventually passed, it hit you very hard, didn't it? It did. Um, although she was eighty five, it and we knew it was coming. It, it hit me like a sledgehammer, and there were certain. Um, songs and hymns that I'd associated with her that for a long time I didn't even want to hear and we're going to be hearing one of those in 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 a few moments um we were on hot we went on holiday together quite often most years we went on holiday and her favorite place to go was Scotland particularly is when she got to the stage where um, insurance for holidays was just so expensive it wasn't uh, it wasn't viable and we had a lovely holiday in Scotland we drove to Aviemore and uh, we had an amazing, amazing time. And we found uh, a place, a, a drive. It was called Duke's Drive. And she hadn't done that before, although she'd been to Scotland multiple times. And she said, well, can we do this drive? So dutifully, I agreed. And we drove along this. This is a scenic drive, This is a it? scenic drive. And um, we'd driven for, I don't know, three or four miles. And there was a, a, a viewpoint um, and it, it said, oh, you know, this was this was like the, the pinnacle of, of this drive. So mum couldn't come. She she couldn't have walked that uh, the steep incline. But I did. And when I got to the top, I could look all around 360 degrees and not see a single sign of man. There were no radio masts. You couldn't even see the road. And it just struck me that this is God's creation and I found myself singing How Great Thou Art at the top of my voice from this pinnacle and after she died I just couldn't hear that hymn for a long, long time. This is Hope FM. Uh, have you ever imagined what heaven would be like, Sally? I've tried to but I find it really, really difficult. It's just beyond comprehension at the moment i've interviewed uh, a number of people who've been there uh, one of the, one of my favorite was when i interviewed fiona castle and uh, she told me the story about how when roy passed over you know now they're both very keen gardeners you know mm. and uh, uh, but just in the final moments of roy passing over that um he was obviously saying something you know and she was there with him not saying anything but she sensed a presence you know and Roy turned to her and said, I wouldn't hang about, love, if I was you. He said, this garden is unbelievable, you know. And he was obviously, uh-huh. he was obviously. And well, I've interviewed a number of people who've been to heaven and back. And, and it's, it's interesting that they, they, the way they, they talk about bright colours and about, about, you know, seeing their loved ones and so on. Uh, but the, the, the phrase that always sticks with me is that when they meet with God, they, the way they describe it was pure, liquid love. Uh, mm. and, and, and it's almost overwhelmed me, you know, just thinking about it. And when, you know, when I think of my own family and people that, that, that I've lost, there's no doubt you do as well. Mm. That's what I think of, you know. It's be, but as you're right in saying it, it's beyond our comprehension. Yeah. But I think that describes how I felt that day in the car, pure, liquid love. Um, yeah, that's a really, really good way of putting it. Of putting it, yeah. Yeah. 
now, I, sort of moving forward, then, because obviously we we talked about you. You know, what what do you find is are the most exhilarating parts about the work that that you do? Because obviously, I mean, you're you're dealing with 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 people who who are you know leaving us. You know, they're passing out. That lovely lady in her nineties who died the following day. Uh, but it must be a great privilege to be able to share those almost final moments with with all sorts of people. Oh, it it is, and. It's particularly a privilege when families um, let me be there. Um, with, with Dennis, I was able to visit him twice in hospital in his last days and just spend time with him. And as I say, I do get very attached to the people I work with, so the losses do hit me, um, especially when it almost always happens that we get none for a long time and then two or three in quite a short space of time. Um, and I do I do miss them, and I do... I do think of them some are really quite um they really stick in your mind quite a lot characters characters <laughs> definitely do, do, do you come across many people you know who don't have faith you know they they, they don't necessarily em, em, embrace you know what, what you believe in or uh, or even church church life uh, or, or perhaps maybe a bit of a church going background but you know as as it was once for you uh, how, how are those relationships they're a bit more challenging, but I do find that even with with people in that situation, that if I offer to pray with them or do or read the Bible with them, they they never turn me down. They still like to have that that comfort, and I hope that their faith is rekindled even in those last moments, um, and if they're hearing the word of God and and responding to it. Now you've done a lot, uh, you know, in your life thus far. Uh, have you got a bucket list? You know, I shouldn't really be saying that because no doubt you will be around for quite a bit longer. You know. <laughs> I hope but, so. <laughs> but if you could do, you know, if you could do anything, um, what would you, what would you be drawn towards? I would love to go to Peru to go to Machu Picchu. That's somewhere that's always and, intrigued me. And to meet that bear. <laughs> yeah, 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 Paddington may Paddington, be there, oh, but yeah. I think he's over here more now. Yes, I interviewed um, a lady actually who's a missionary in Peru, you know, mm. and uh, we talked about Paddington and whatever. Um, actually, that would be quite spectacular, wouldn't it? It would be, but I'd need to do it, you know, while I'm still relatively young and fit and able because it's, I know. Because how do you get there? Because, the, I mean, obviously you, it, it's off the beaten track, isn't it? It, it is. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't researched it because at the moment it's... It's, it's beyond your reach. <laughs> beyond my reach, but... Uh, uh, it's it's something I would really really love to do. And in terms of ministry, are, are you looking forward to the great opening up? Oh, I'm so looking forward to being with people face to face again. It's been great to keep in touch over the phone, but nothing beats that being able to see people's faces, being able to be close to them. Um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to getting as much open as, as soon as possible. Well, here you are, of course, behind a microphone. And uh, well, I was thinking whenever Diana sort of dropped the news on me that she was going to have to stop co-presenting Thanks for the Memory with me. And I thought, golly, uh, who could I who could I get? Well, there, well, there only was one person that I knew. Uh, but it must have been a bit of a shock <laughs> to you whenever I said... How would you fancy being a radio presenter? It wasn't what I was expecting, <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be a wonderful opportunity to uh, to just develop our ministry, particularly among people who've got memory problems. And uh, I, I really enjoyed this morning, far more than I thought I would. I came into the studio really, really nervous, 
but so well, if it's any consolation, so did I. But <laughs> uh, actually, the, the truth of the matter is, as you can see, we're surrounded by technology here. Yes. You know, we've got computers left, right, and centre, and buttons all over the place. And uh, I always tell people, you know, when they're coming to join us and learn how to be radio presenters, I say, well, once you've once you stop being intimidated by all this stuff. But of course, having said that, then it goes wrong in me, doesn't it? And, uh, <laughs> uh, quite regular business. You know. Well, I'm quite happy that you're that side of the desk. Right? Yes. Well, if it gets too much, you know, I say, Sally, I've had enough. <laughs> Come and rescue me. Yeah. But 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 nevertheless, I mean, I'm I, you you are so very well, well connected, you know. And I I guess that that, that there'll be lots of people that we can involve uh, to tell their stories and so on. And there's something about when people. I mean, we we have this word testimony, don't we? Uh, in and I guess that's what you've been doing today you've been talking about your life's journey but of course in the highs and in the lows of life it's how we encourage one another because we all go through dark times we all go through moments of being fearful we're, we're, we're all uh, you know have moments when we don't feel very christian and yeah. maybe a million miles away from god but yet somehow in this being able to share together you know i might be a bit depressed today but you're up you know so you encourage me and then yeah. those situations. And of course, that's, that's the story. And I guess that you could write a book and all of that. By uh, the way, have you ever thought of that? No, no I haven't. <laughs> no. Another challenge. Yeah, another challenge. Yes. Thanks, Blair. <laughs> You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And of course, my very special guest, uh, all this programme has been Sally Nevitt. Sally uh, is the Older Persons Director at uh, Emmanuel Church over in Southbourne. But how did did the roads take you to Emmanuel? Because in the early part of the interview, you were talking about doing your your lay preacher training within the Methodist Church. But the roads led to Emmanuel. How did that come about? I felt that God had put a call on my heart to ministry and... uh, Within the Methodist Church, there are are two pathways you can go, and that's one is to be a deacon and the other to be as a presbyteral minister. And looking at the deacon's role, I felt that that was something I really would like to do. So I decided I was going to candidate for ministry in the Methodist Church as a deacon. And as part of that, I was shadowing a minister who had a particular interest in working with older people, And um, so through her, I visited care homes. We took home communion to people. We went into a day centre and did uh, a little service there for the uh, people who joined there for the day. And so there were lots of opportunities to see how ministry might work in that context. And about the same time, um, one of my mum's friends, actually one of her former school teachers who she'd never lost contact with, became less able to do things for herself and asked if I would be prepared to go in a couple of days and just give her a bit of help. She already had someone coming in doing personal care, but this was, you know, a bit of housework, a bit of gardening. Um, but I think really what she wanted was company. She was lonely. She spent the vast majority of her day on her own. And so when the role came up at, at Emmanuel, um, and it was initially just a two-year post, I thought I could do that alongside the early part of my training for ministry. It seemed like a, a good fit. I thought, you know, this is possibly what God has, has called me to do. So I was in a in a, a role that I wasn't really enjoying. Um, it was administration. I didn't have much contact with people. Um, and I thought this would be much more what I wanted to do. So 
I applied for the job, but I didn't actually think I was going to get it. It um, seemed like it was a bit of a pipe dream. Um, and when I was offered the post, I nearly turned it down because I felt that, you know, I couldn't do it. They obviously thought I could, but I didn't. You're hitting that mountain again, weren't I was, you? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But a very good friend of mine um, said to me, if they think you can do the job, then you probably can. And so I took her advice and I accepted the post. And, and uh, how many years ago was that? eight and a half years ago. Now, of course, I'm, I've said several times about you being the older persons directory, director, but you, you do a lot of things, don't you? I mean, I've, I've heard you preaching uh, i've i've heard you i've seen you on the television <laughs> your latest your latest sort of um uh, role you know in terms of uh, of zooming and I, I guess we've all learned a lot about the little zoom word haven't we i had never heard of the word until the pandemic um i mean prior to the pandemic we had lots of activities on site which i would organize with my wonderful team of volunteers um so there'd be something every day and uh, we would do things as diverse as we'd have a a film club Uh, we had a computer skills for older people we did a midweek service uh, a lunch club um, a carer's support group a bereavement support group Um, I I was kept very busy and through that I was given opportunities to, to do things that I never thought I would like doing some training sessions for other churches who were looking at appointing somebody in a similar role. I mean, we've probably, well, there's not no probably about it, we have been through one of the most challenging years that, that anyone could ever have imagined. You know, How do you think things will be going forward? Will things be the same, Sally? I, I hope not in a way. I think there have been lots of lessons we've learned through the pandemic and I think it's probably a really good time to reevaluate the work that we're doing to see what is really good to, to bring back, but what opportunities there are to try new things. And we very much work on the basis of we are led by what people want us to do. We, we're not in the business of going to our, our people and saying, this is what we're going to do. You're going to come along to it. It's, you know, talking to them and finding out the kinds of things they want to do so that they have more ownership of it. Um, And I'm also hoping to get more involved in uh, providing training uh, for people with um, people who are working with those with dementia. Um, I'm a Dementia Friends champion. And so I run the Dementia Friends sessions and and also just encouraging other churches who don't really do much with their older people to to do something. And it doesn't have to be massive, um, you know, just something. Now, of course, you've done a bit of that because you mentioned having been to Spring Harvest before. But, of course, you weren't there just as a punter. You were there to do some seminars, weren't you? I I was with the Minister Peter. And when he suggested that I went along with him, I was absolutely terrified. Again. (laughs) Again. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it like? It it was incredible, actually. We were given um, five sessions to do, and it was on the theme of games. And Peter's very creative and worked out which board games would fit with each day. And uh, we had over 100 people most days coming to the seminars. And uh, and afterwards, it was a bit like sometimes but we were actually mobbed. So many people wanted to talk to us and ask us questions. I sort of almost felt like a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a celebrity. Yeah. So, so were, they, uh, were, were they on sort of dementia? 
specifically or not just on dementia that that was sort of one of the sessions but we looked at the kinds of things that um spirituality for older people and and reminding the people that were the seminars which were not necessary for older people um that you know older people were just as much in need of having their spiritual needs met as as the younger people and were still a very valued part of the church but also how to lay on things like the care home services and activities which were suitable for older people and, and how to engage with them and keep them engaged. I mean, right through today, you, you've talked about fear and trembling and going, you know, <laughs> into new places <laughs> and being in, intimidated. As you look back on all of that, does it get any less fearful? You know, well, I mean, here you are. I mean, you're at the beginning of being radio presenting right now. You know, do you often get a bit fearful about, you know, when these new things come along or, or does it get easier as you go along? I don't think it does. I think I will always be fearful of, of new things happening. But, you know, I had a very wise minister at one of my previous churches. And when I was first out preaching, I used to physically shake. You could see my hand shake. I didn't dare do anything like get a glass of water because I'd have probably spilt it. And I said to him one day, you know, will I ever get over this ner- these nerves? Will I, will I ever get to a point where I can take a service and not feel like that? And he said, if you do that's the time to stop doing it because you don't care enough and he told me that there are nights when he's got a big service the next day where he's physically sick still and he said it's because you care that, that you like that so he said don't stop caring well right at the heart of all of this of course is the fact that you know when god calls us he empowers us and i guess that all the way through uh, you know my interview with you today sally has been that hasn't it? gone at the center and making a way where where perhaps there wouldn't have been a way in your rational thinking uh your your final uh well in fact, i'm saying final i've got another piece of music after this one but but your next piece of music uh, sort of sums a lot of that up i'll let you introduce it yeah, we're going to hear um, Amazing Grace by Chris Tomlin. And this, this is another time when God was just so good to me. And, and it, it was with my mum. was on, on a, another trip to Scotland. And we, my mum was not the best navigator in the world. <laughs> and it was only the two of us. And she had taken us a route which I felt was completely wrong. But there'd been nowhere safe to pull in. So when I found a lay-by, I pulled into it. And it happened to be a lay-by next to a lock. We never found out what the name of the lock was. And as I switched the engine off so I could study the the map, being old-fashioned, I don't use sat-nav, or I didn't then, um, I could hear bagpipes. And so I got out of the car to have a look, and there was a lone piper standing on the banks of the lock, and he was playing some really beautiful music. um, And I went back and I told my mum that there's a piper... So she wound her window down and I thought, well, I better go and ask, let him know we're here. It seemed a bit cheeky just to sort of sit and listen. And I said to him, well, you know, do you mind if my mum and I sit in the car and listen to you play? And he said, no, not at all. And he came across to us after he'd played a couple of pieces. So he said, I'm just going to play one more piece and then I'm, I'm going to go. And my mum said, get me to play Amazing Grace. And I thought, I can't. We've just had a free concert. There's no way I'm going to ask him. <laughs> but I knew that if he played that, that would just be absolutely amazing. Literally amazing grace. And um, as he picked up his bagpipes, I knew from the first note that he was going to play Amazing Grace. And Mum and I sat in the car and we listened to this lone piper on the lock playing this wonderful, wonderful tune and talk about a wonderful start to a holiday. It was perfect. Thank you. 
the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine will be forever mine you are forever mine and I guess Sally that that sums up you doesn't it amazing grace and the story of course is still unfolding you know uh, as you look back you know on the life that you've been talking about to me today uh, what is it that you most think of in terms of of faith is it that god's always been there oh definitely definitely from i mean i know even though i wasn't necessarily connecting with him before i had that revelation in the car that he he was there and um but since since that time with with God touching me in the car in the way that he did um it that really was the springboard for most of my faith journey and i i just thank him for that so so much and of course yours is a story of encouragement as well because i know that you spend your life encouraging other people and there's nothing that makes you more encouraged than actually seeing people stepping up to the place reaching their destiny I think there's an awful lot of potential in all people and I think we we just have to sort of remember that just because somebody's got a, a, a big number for their age doesn't mean that they can't still achieve wonderful things and I think it's about giving people a chance to do just that. Well Uncle Ron phoned in a moment or two ago and he was saying you know you're only just beginning he said you know, <laughs> you're just because he has had a life <laughs> well I could I could spend a few hours just talking about some of the things that he shared with me and I don't even know the half of it. Sally thank you so much uh, you know for being uh, my guest today it's been a real privilege and I look forward to working with you over this these future months on Thanks for the Memory and on other programming here on the Hope FM. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.